and be a part of that, but you need to do it rather quickly uh, because time's running out. At some point, they close the door and we can't get on. So uh, jump on board right away. Make sure you go to the website, get all the information you need, get signed up, and let's go. Uh, you'll be sorry when I come back, tell you all the stories. You will be sorry you didn't go. So I hope you'll do that. Thank the Lord. I'm glad we serve a prayer answering God. I wonder if anybody here today had a, a, a prayer that God answered for you this week. Look at these hands there. What prayer did God answer for you this week? Maggie's doing better, right, Maggie? Maggie had some health challenges this week, but she's doing better. Thank the Lord. God bless you uh, back there in the back. How many of you over here had a prayer answered this week? I'm glad we serve a prayer answering God. Thank the Lord. You know, I have a whole list of prayers God has answered. But I have another list that I'm waiting for Him to answer. Always have a full prayer list of things you're believing God for. And you never know when the day is your day to have one of those prayer requests checked off your list. So uh, keep that always before you. If you have a prayer life, you have a prayer list. If you don't have a prayer life, you probably don't have a prayer list. But if you have a prayer life, you have a prayer list, things that you are praying for on an ongoing basis. And I hope that uh, that is each of you. When you have a great prayer requ uh, request answered, something really wonderful, I sure want to hear about it. Um, I'd love for this church to hear about what God is doing for you in your personal life. Some things uh, are not meant to be made public, but if you have something that you want to really uh, share with a congregation, then give me an opportunity to do that with you. And um, it'll be a big blessing. You know, when I hear about what God's doing for someone else, it encourages me to believe for what he, I need Him to do for me. So um, help me with that, and I'll try to bring some of those to you uh, as you present them to me. Can you say amen? Um, to, Pastor Renee is in Needland today. She'll be back with us next week. Tommy Tenney's coming. I think you're going to enjoy that. I've asked him to speak on uh, revival. Um, he experienced a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit a few years ago and has walked in a revival anointing now uh, for some time. And so um, I'm hoping he will share some of that with us. I want to hear about what God's doing yesterday and today and I want to know about what he's promised to do tomorrow. So I look forward to next week with Tommy Tenney. Thank you for being here. I also want to welcome our uh, online guests. Thank you for being a part of our service today. If you're joining us by Facebook or live stream, it's a joy to have you here. And I hope that you've already been blessed. And you'll stay tuned uh, and hear the word of the Lord with us today. Are you ready to go to the scripture? Amen. All right. How many of you brought your Bible today? Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. You know, I saw an advertisement, and I forgot to dig into it, unfortunately, but it was about bring your Bible to school one day. What day was that? Do we miss it? When, it? when is the bring your Bible to school day? Does anybody know? They're advertising a day when we t bring our Bibles to work and to school, I believe. But if you find out more about that, send it to me. I think that would be a great thing to pick one day and everybody tote their Bible. Not their, not their cell phone, but their Bible, right? And um, some of us still have real Bibles. 
I also have a digital Bible, but it's good to bring your Bible. So somebody bring me some information on that. Maybe we haven't missed it. I know it's coming up real soon. What is it? We missed it. We missed it. There we go. See? See? We didn't know about it. Anyway, next year, right? Again today, I want to talk to you about passion. I love passionate people. I enjoy being around them. Even if I don't exactly share their passion, their passion excites me and makes me want to do it with them. I just like passionate people. People that don't have passion are not interesting. They're not fun to be with. They're just not the kind of folks you want to hang around. You know, I want to be around passionate people, and I certainly want to be one. I think it's important that we're passionate for the right things. Passionate give me hope and passionate that give me a reason to live. It's important that we have passions that are pleasing to God. So I want to talk to you about passion for the things of God. Without passion, my life would be dull and meaningless. Happiness would evade me and sin would inevitably overtake me. You see, I know that passionate people are doers. They're not the kind of people that sit around and brood or mullygrub or go into depressions, but they're people on the move with a plan and they have it in action. Passionate people are doers. I also find that passionate people are just excited. They're not excited about everything in life, but they have some things that really get their engine cranked, get their spirits up. They're just excited people. I don't know about you, but I like excited people. And uh, I don't always get excited about the things they're excited about, but I can enjoy their excitement vicariously, and, and they inspire me. Passionate people are excited people. Passionate people are courageous. They make tough decisions. They pay a high price. They even take risks because there's something out there they're passionate about, and they're willing to do anything it takes to make it a reality. Passionate people are very positive. They do not negative, dwell on the negative. They do not dwell on failures very long, but they're anxious to get started on their next journey to victory. They're just positive people. Passionate people are motivated. They're excited. They're positive, and they're at work. Passionate people always strive to do their best. When you're passionate about something, a casual approach is never good enough. A half-hearted attempt is never going to settle it. But the more passionate you are about something, the more likely you are to try to be your best and to always be improving. You'll read about it. You'll practice. You'll study. You'll learn it from other people, whatever it takes. When you're passionate of something, you're motivated to do your very best. Passionate people are always motivated. I believe that passion is a motivation. Just when you, when you uh, run out of motivation in life, it's hard to pay the price. It's hard to get out of bed and get the right things done. Passion is what moves us. You know, we have to do things in life we'd rather not. We all have to do things that we don't enjoy. I mean, that's just part of life. But passion is what counterbalances it. It motivates me. If there's something I don't want to do, then if it leads to something I really want to do, it gives me the strength to get it done. Passionate people are always motivated. Passionate people, by and large, are happy. And sometimes when you have unhappy aspects of your life or your day, 
if you have unhappy aspects, by having something you're passionate about, it counterbalances it. You know, we all have things about our lives we'd like to change and we'd like to improve or like to be better or like completely to go away. We all have that. But when you're passionate about something, it has a way of counterbalancing it. And you can be happy even when there are unhappy aspects of your life. But you have to be passionate about something if you want to be happy. Passionate people are accountable. We all understand that when you're passionate about something, you can go overboard. You can spend too much time on it. You can spend too much money on it. You can neglect other important things if you're passionate about something. So passionate people learn that they have to be accountable, and that every passion in life needs to have perimeters. It needs to have guidelines. It needs to have lanes and channels, because if you don't channel it, it could destroy you and cause a problem. I see people sometimes, I try to learn from them, that are passionate about certain things that are really not bad or evil in any way, but they don't have a channel. It's not harnessed. It's not in proper balance. Passionate people are accountable for their passion. Passionate people are focused. It seems like some of the reasons that I see people do not achieve their goals and do not get there is because they can't stay focused long enough to achieve something of significance. They tend to go here and go there, be energetic about it and then not, be passionate about it and then not, and they can't really stay in a straight line and, and, and stay focused for a long period of time. But a passionate person is focused. They understand what they want in life. They understand where they're going. And they understand what it's going to take to get there. And they stay the course. Passionate people love to grow. They're not satisfied with where they are because their passion drives them to a next level of living, of life, of understanding, of ability. It's always about growth. Passionate people take great great pleasure in personal development and growth and feeling like their life is moving. For many years now, I've always marked my life at the beginning of year and then come back and made another mark to see if I have made any progress in the year. And over the years, I've had a few that it didn't seem like I made much progress in that 12-month span of my life. It almost seems like uh, I was um, in, in stationary and not having forward motion. Other times I, I was moving, but I was distracted, and other things tend to rob that year from me. I always want to feel like my life is moving. Passionate people have a need to grow and expand and to become more and better at who they are. So that's why, some of the reasons why, that I want to be a passionate person. I love passionate people, and I want to be a passionate person. How many of you want to be a passionate person? Stay with me here today. You know, being a, a, a person with the right passion is a choice. Uh, some passions just come upon us. You know, Renee and I, we have kind of different uh, hobbies and creative things that we do, and she's passionate about some things, I'm passionate about others, and it just kind of works out that way. I see some of you that have passions in your life that I admire and are really wonderful. I don't share those passions, but I realize that some passions are just a result of your unique DNA, the way you're made up, just, just you. You just enjoy certain things and those things you're passionate about. Um, but we have to learn to choose our passions 
It cannot just be a random, well, I like that and I don't like that and I do this and I don't do that because that's just the way I am. We have to choose certain passions and make sure that we're passionate about the right things. There's nothing more important in life than choosing to be passionate about the things that God is passionate for. I want to have the same passions that God has. God is passionate about things He loves and He's passionate about things He hates. And I want to have that in my life at well. You know, sometimes when you look back over your life, you have to wonder if your passion has diminished. Has your motivation decreased? Your level of joy been reduced? Think about your walk with God. Think about your marriage, your family, your career, and other hobbies that you may have in life. Have you seen that level of passion just slowly diminish? Is the fire burning down, or maybe has it completely gone out? You see, passion, there's no guarantee that it's going to burn brightly for your entire life. It's very easy to be passionate about good things for a while, and then after a while you just lose the desire, and that fiery drive just seems to die down, and you lose your passion. We see that in life in general, and we also see it as people walk with God. You have to be careful to choose the right passions, and then to make sure that in the course of your life, those fiery passions do not one day die out. Today I want to talk to you about how to keep the fire of passion burning in your life. Let's begin by talking about having a passion for the right things. You know, many people have passions. Some of them are somewhat neutral. They neither add nor take away from your character or what your life is about. Uh, other passions lead to bondage and destruction. You probably know someone that I know that seems to have a passion, but it's for passion for the wrong things, and those wrong things are causing great harm in their life. You see, when you have misplaced values, you end up with a misspent life. If you don't value the right things and build passion for the right things, then inevitably you'll spend your life valuing and doing the wrong things. When your life is over, it's almost inevitable that you'll come with regrets for what you, how you spent your life rather than how you might have invested it in other more meaningful things. You know, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about David today, uh, King David, that is, from the Bible. Uh, David had a passion for the things of God, and it distinguished him above all the other men mentioned in Scripture. Let me read to you from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 20 through 22. Now, this is an excerpt. Paul is preaching in the synagogue, and as he is there teaching, he is giving an oral account of the history of God's people. And in that oral account, uh, he, he said something very important about David. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the times of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Can you say amen? So King David was chosen by God, and God said of him, I have found David, 
a man that is after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That is a powerful statement for God to make about a person. We don't know of anyone God has ever said that about except David. We know a lot about the life of David. There are a few people in the Bible that we have this complete of a history as we do David. From the time he was a young boy until his death, the, 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 uh, his life is carefully chronicled in Scripture, and we know a great deal about him. We know a lot about his heart and his judgment and his character, his successes as well as his failure, more so than almost any other character in Scripture. We also know a lot about David because he gave us much of the book of Psalms. David wrote the majority of the Psalms that we have in our Bible. He didn't write them all. There were five or six different contributors, but he wrote the greater portion. So as he's writing the Psalms, we find out a lot about his heart, what he believed, what he valued, and what he had a passion for. And in, writing, in reading the Psalms, we find out that David had a passion for God. More than anything else in his life, David loved God. We do not know a lot about the spiritual environment of his home when he was a boy, but we know that from the time he was a young boy, he had a passion for God. He also had a gift of music, and he played musical instruments, and he sang, and he wrote songs or psalms unto the Lord. And while he was yet a boy, he was a singer and a worshiper unto his God. He just had a passion for God. I believe that if you and I are going to develop any passion in life and nurture that fire, it must be a passion for God Himself. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's just a natural result of loving God that we obey God and do His will. We see that in the life of David, how that because he had a passion for God, he did the will of God throughout his life. And he took the nation of Israel to a place it had never been and unfortunately would never be again. I believe that if there's one thing Satan wants to destroy in your life and mine, it would be the passion that we have for God himself. You see, Satan wants to replace God in your heart. He wants, to be, he wants to sit on your throne, and on the throne that God is sitting in your life, and occupy that place in your heart. He wants to replace God in your life. And he will do it in many ways and disguise themselves in many forms. But at the end of the day, he wants to be the center of your desire, the center of your focus, and the center of your passion. I believe the world itself, the system of the world, the motion of the world, the pattern of the world is designed to rob you of your passion for God. If you live in the world and you live in the way of the world and you operate according to its systems and you live the lifestyle of the world around you, you'll end up with no love and no passion for God because the world is designed to steal it away from you. Satan doesn't want you to have a passion for God. So if you think, well, I have it now and I guess I'll always have it, not if you're casual or neglect your walk with God. You won't have it because the devil will inevitably steal it away from you. You can be passionate of God, about the things of God today and tomorrow wonder why you ever did it to start with because the devil will steal it away from you. 
It's either walk with God on a daily basis or lose your passion. Something else will replace that passion for God. Something else will come into your life. And before you know it, you'll be away from God. I pastored people for years and watched them as they make a commitment to Christ, grow in their faith, walk with God, and have a real passion for God. But over time, the world creeps in, the ways of the world, the events of the world. Life happens, and gradually they slip away from their private devotion. They slip away from the house of God. They slip away from the things of God, and suddenly they're living a life that they never planned on living because they allowed the world to steal their passion for God. Make no doubt about it. doesn't matter how passionate and how bright the fire is burning in your heart today. Without maintaining a walk with God, the fire will go out and you'll lose that passion for God. So I want to take the time to encourage you today to keep your walk of God with God alive. We see that in every area of our lives. You know, you can get married and be totally in love and raptured by the one you're married to, be very passionate in your relationship, passionate in your pursuit of a good marriage, a family, and a good life together. But over time, life happens, things come along, hurts and pains and disappointments and challenges and storms of life, and just all that life is full of, and the passion that you used to have together can just die away. It's the nature of passion. Like any fire must be fueled. Any fire must have a source, something to burn, something to keep it alive. You have to fuel the passions in your life. And you must make certain you're fueling the passions for good things. You know, if I fuel passions for bad things in my life, that fire just continues to grow brighter. But if I'll fuel the good things in life, then inevitably good things will grow brighter and will dominate my life. The Apostle Paul said it like this, if you sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. Flesh representing things that are carnal, things that are ungodly, things that are unholy. Do you sow to that? You spend time and energy and affection on that? It will produce a harvest and will destroy your life. But if you sow to the Holy Spirit and you do things that are right, inevitably those fires will grow brightest in your life and will light your path. So I want to encourage you to guard your passion, keep your passion for God and the things of God and the things that really matter in life. Make sure those fires are are burning most brightly. David was passionate about God, but he was also passionate about his love for the things of God. I believe the reason David is God said of David, you're a man after my own heart, is because God, David loved the things God loved, and he hated the things God hates. He loved the things God loves, and he hated the things God hates. God hates, loves passionately, and He hates passionately. And you and I must have that same line drawn in our life. But we cannot just choose what is right and what's wrong. We have to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. I want to give you a list of some of the things that we learned about David in the Psalms, things that he loved because God loved them. It's not just one verse, but it's a whole book of, of verses that talk about the things that David loved passionately. First of all, David loved the truth. He loved the truth. He loved the truth. He pursued the truth. He valued the truth. He wanted the truth. He tried to tell the truth. And when he didn't tell the truth, he came back and repented and then told the truth. 
because he valued and he loved the truth. God loves the truth. And if we're going to be passionate and follow God and be after God's heart, we have to always love the truth. David loved justice. He hated injustice. He loved justice. He thought things ought to be fair and right for everyone. He loved justice. He loved character. He loved integrity. David loved compassion. He loved mercy. He loved forgiveness. David loved purity. And David loved righteousness. These are things that God is made up of. And because David had a passionate heart for these things, God said, you're a man after your, my own heart. You know, it's easy to get close to someone when you share passions, when you have like ideas and like feelings and like convictions. We talk about relationships in terms of distance. It's either a close friend or a distant relative. What that means is that it, it, it talks about how compatible, how much interaction, how deep your communication is, is the closer you get, the more oneness you experience. And so if I'm going to walk with God, I have to love what He loves, believe what He believes, hate what He hates, be passionate about what He's passionate about. And, the, and when you find someone that you share values, you share belief systems, you share passions, you can become very close and very much in sync with that person. But you know, the more you disagree on, the more distance it creates in your relationship. So my desire is to love the things that God loves and to hate the things that God hates so I can walk with Him. It's a choice. It doesn't just happen. It's a learned uh, way of life. Some of the things that God loves passionately, God loves His people. So David observed how much God loved His people. And David said, I'm going to love God's people. David was a king that was fair and just, a king that loved his people, was kind and good toward the people. And Israel became a great nation under his leadership because he saw how much God loved his people, and he said, I'm going to love God's people too. He was passionate about the people of God. I hope that I can inspire you to love the people of God. I believe the people of God are the most wonderful thing on this planet. And we should love the people of God, not just those that share all of our doctrinal perspectives, our particular uh, convictions about certain issues that are in the country, but love people because they're children of God. And I realize that not everybody that claims to be a Christian might not be a Christian for real, but that's not for me to judge. It is for me to love them and be passionate toward them and to love all the people of God. The second thing that David noticed was David noticed that God loved his word. And he took great, great care about his word and to make sure that it was right and true and that he kept his word. And David loved his word. You know, you read the 119th Psalm and you find out how much David loved the Word of God. He called it his, the precepts of God, the, the statutes of God, the law of God, the Word of God. And he writes this huge chapter in the Bible. It was a great psalm about the Word of God. You know, it's just important that you develop a passion for God's Word, a passion to study and understand it and know it. It's a deep book. Uh, there is a level of understanding you can get right off of the surface. Anybody can read it and grasp it. 
But there are levels underneath the surface of the Word. And the more you understand the one level, the easier it is to go to the next level. The more you study the Bible, the more it tends to unfold and the more relevant it is to your life and the more meaning and depth and the more understanding you have about God in life. It's just an amazing book. And it's a timeless book. I mean, I know it was mostly written thousands of years ago by multiple authors in very different circumstances, times and places. But, but you know, it's amazing how I can open my Bible and by the Holy Spirit, those words can just come alive to me and have immediate impact on me and immediate relevance to where I am at that time in my life. It's amazing how you can read a verse for years and it has good meaning and good purpose and then read it one more time and suddenly it opens up something fresh and new in your understanding and gives you direction for life. So this is never going to be an old book. It's always going to be a right now book. And I want to inspire you to love the Bible, to read the Bible, to study the Bible. You have to have a passion for it. This is the only book in the world that to understand it you have to know the author personally. You can read any other book in the world, and whatever it says, it says, and you either get it or you don't, but I mean, that's it. But the Bible is unique because you have to know the author. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and the more you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more the Scripture comes alive and have relevance and meaning in your life. I want to encourage you to have a passion for God's Word. God also has a passion for His temple, His temple. This is the place where he meets with his people. You know, if you're a father and you have a, a family, you have a home, and that's where your family live, and that's where you interact and where you eat together and sleep together and, and, and where all of that wonderful family things happen in your home, your home is important to you because that's where your family is. If your family wasn't in your home, It'd just be a house, just a box, just a place for somebody to stay. But because your family is there, it becomes very precious to you. God loves His temple because it's where His family meets together, where He interacts with His family, where He speaks to His family and blesses His family, heals His family, answers their prayer. The house of God is God's home to His family. And I want to encourage you to have a real love for the house of God. I can't force you to do that, of course. I can't pressure you or, or, or in any way um, um, come about it from a negative point of view. But I want to inspire you to love the house of God because there's so many good things in His house. There's good things in His house. First of all, it's the presence of God in His house. It's our desire that every time we come together to worship Him, we experience the presence of God. There's a realized an awareness of His presence in our midst. Uh, we have the opportunity to study God's Word and to learn from Scripture. We have an opportunity to receive prayers answered and to receive special impartations from the Holy Spirit. And we have the opportunity to build relationship and interact with other, uh, others in the body of Christ. And these are some of the reasons why we love the house of God. It's one of the things that God loves. And if I want to be like God, I have to love His house and I have to be faithful to it. Well, you know, David hated the things that God hated. And I don't want to give a long list of things that God hates, but, I mean, there's a lot of things the Bible says God hates, and he's serious about it, too. When he loves something, he really loves it. But when he hates it, oh, he really hates it. He has very little tolerance for evil. And um, so you look at what God hates, what God loves, and he tends to hate the opposite. For instance, 
God loves truth, so he hates a lie. God loves justice, so he hates any kind of injustice. God loves character and integrity, so he hates people that don't have it. God loves compassion, so he, he hates people that are never compassionate or understanding toward other people. God loves mercy, so he hates people that show no mercy. God loves forgiveness, so he, he hates people that do not know how to forgive. God loves purity, so he hates people that are tainted by sinful and unholy things. God loves righteousness, so he hates wickedness. God loves his people, so he highly resents people that mistreat his people. God loves his word, so anybody that desecrates his word, uh, he takes very serious. God loves his temple, so anyone that speaks against his temple speaks against God. So God simply hates the things that are opposite to that which he loves. It's just the way God thinks. And uh, we need to learn how to love like God hate, loves and hate like God hates. Now, there is a way man hates, and then there's a way God hates. And I don't, I'm not giving myself permission to hate like man hates, but I am giving myself permission to hate like God hates. Can you say amen? amen. So how did David keep his passion alive for all these years? He reigned his, his, his whole life, but then he reigned as king over 40 years. And David maintained his walk with God, his passion for the things of God throughout his life. And his epitaph was that he was a man after God's own heart, and he did everything that God asked him to do and everything that God desired him to do. How did he get that done over the long haul? You know, they say that there are three tests that everybody must face. There is the test of truth. Is it the truth? Is it authentic? Is it genuine? Then in life we face the test of fire. Troubles and difficulties, will it stand the test of trial and trouble and storms of life? And thirdly, we must all stand the test of time. And the test of time may be the most difficult test of all. Because anything can be done right for a short period of time, but over a long haul, time becomes a very great test for us. And if we're going to stand the test of time, we're going to have to have some things right in our lives to keep that fire burning. I believe that David kept the passion of God alive for a lifetime in his heart by carefully attending to the Word of God. David was a student of God's Word throughout his lifetime. He loved God's Word. He, he digested God's Word. He, he was consumed with the Word of God. And the more you and I are connected with God's Word and we are consumed with God's Word, we're living our life by God's Word, we're thinking the thoughts of God's Word, the more that passion for God is going to stay alive. But when we get away from the Bible, the further we get away from what the Bible actually says, the further we're getting away from God. I believe that David kept his passion for a lifetime because he was a continual worshiper in the house of God. He made it a pattern, a, way, a lifestyle to go to the house of God, to worship God, and to offer sacrifices unto God. Church attendance is one of the great keys of keeping your passion alive. I've never met a passionate person about God that did not attend the house of God. 
The two always go together. I know people that are probably saved. They probably love God and are trusting Him for their eternal salvation. But they don't have a passion for God. Because a passion for God will take you to the house of God. It will take you to the people of God. It will take you to where the epicenter of what God is doing in the earth. And David understood the principle. And because of that, he was passionate for God throughout his life. The Bible also says that David was a worshiper. Let me talk to you just for a couple of moments about being a worshiper. In David's life, he was like a bridge. Prior to David, there was very little worship as you and I would know it in terms of music and song and, and worshiping God with the various expressions. Uh, most of the worship involved offerings or sacrifices. This is where day, a person would go to the, to the altar, go to a place where God had designated or to the temple, and he would actually offer a sacrifice. It could be a lamb, a ram, a goat, a calf. It could be a number of things, but he would offer a sacrifice there to God, and that was worship. But David instituted the concept that praise and worship, things that we say from our mouth, expressions that we make other than offering animals and grain on an altar, a burnt offering, that they too were sacrifices. And so the Apostle Peter in the New Testament would explain to us that today um, that we offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto the Lord. And so David was that bridge, and at one point he set up a tent, it's called the Tabernacle of David, and he put the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the con concentrated presence of God was on the earth. It was the footstool of God on the earth. And he put the Ark there. And he conducted worship around that ark. And he, and he uh, trained musicians, and he trained entire orchestras, and he had vocalists, and he had choirs, and they had pageantry. And David instituted the idea that worship was more than just offering a blood sacrifice, but worship was the people expressing from their heart their love and adoration for God. It's called the Tabernacle of David. Now, there were several years after that before the new covenant was instituted. When the new covenant came into being through Jesus Christ, it became the, the dominant sacrifices that were offered to God. When Jesus Christ came and became the final blood sacrifice, there'll never be another blood sacrifice honored by God ever again, regardless of what's happened to the world. Jesus was the final blood sacrifice that was offered on an altar that he recognized. I don't know what others will do. People may offer all kind of blood sacrifice before it's over with, but God will never honor another blood sacrifice after the blood sacrifice of his son. So all of that blood sacrificing all of that blood sacrificing was removed and what was left was the tabernacle of David model of worship where you and I come and we sing as best we can some sing beautifully some sing terribly but we sing as best we can and we raise our hands and we clap our hands we kneel we stand we dance all of these things are the sacrifices that today we offer in the new covenant David was a worshiper he was a man that was a warrior 
warrior, he was a king, he was a man's man, but he was also a singer, he was a musician, he was a songwriter, and he worshiped God. And David represents to us the complete package of a man of God. He was not afraid or shy in any way to worship his God, to lift his hands, to say, I love you. And, and we need to be men like David today, men that are not afraid to lift our hands, men that are not afraid to dance before the Lord, men that are not afraid to say, I love God. It has to be a part of your whole image. Men struggle in their worship when it isn't a part of their image. It's an image deal, guys. It doesn't fit the image you have of yourself. But if we could have the image of David, where David was a man's man, he was handsome, he was strong, he was gifted, he was skilled in war, he was a great king, an administrator and governor, but he was a man that had a passion for God, and he expressed that passion with worship. Passionate men are worshipers. So I want to encourage you to be a passionate worshiper of God. I believe that... Um, David maintained his relationship through prayer and personal devotion. We read about David in the house of God, dancing before the Lord. We read about all that. But we also read in the Psalms about how David was a man of private prayer and devotion. On one occasion, David's men uh, were talking of dethroning him, maybe even taking his own life. David's very life was in jeopardy of the men that he led. They were so disappointed and they were so uh, in disagreement with his leadership. The Bible said David went to the house of God and all alone he prayed and he sought God. And the Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. And in that environment, the Lord gave him a promise and gave him a word. And King David went back out and spoke to the very men that were talking about taking his life. The men that were just his friends a day ago, but now were his worst enemies. Suddenly he gets up and he stands before them. He shares with them the word of the Lord that he got in that private time of devotion. He was encouraged. He was motivated. He was passionate. He was sure about what the will of God. And again, those men made a turn and got on David's side and they won the victory. The fact is you've got to have a, the ability to go to God alone. It's wonderful to be in the house of God and worship Him. But there has to be an ability to meet God, connect with God, and to hear from God personally, privately, and all alone. I believe that David was able to maintain his passion for God throughout his lifetime because he fellowshiped with the righteous. Now, you know, we're friends with everybody. We're kind and gentle and loving and sharing with everybody. But there is a friendship, a level of relationship. There is a depth of relationship that must be reserved for righteous people. You're friends with everyone, love everyone, know everyone, treat everyone with respect and kindness, be open and not closed, keep no one at a distance. But at the same time, there is a level of relationship that can only happen with righteous people. I'm not going to let people that are unrighteous get that close to me. There, there, there's, a, there's a level and a degree of connection that I'm only going to make with righteous people. I hope you can hear that today. David fellowship with the righteous. And at the end of the day, David always did the right thing. He may not have got it right the first time, but he came back and got it right the second time. And you and I have got to learn how to do the right things if we want God to bless us in our lives. And so I want to encourage you to do the right things 
so that you can keep the fire burning for a long bit of time. Here's some of the reasons why fires go out in our lives. could be a fire for God. It could be a fire for your marriage, a fire for your career, a fire for some of the endeavors that you believe God has placed in your life. First of all, just living out a rhythm, just living out a rhythm, not really having a timing, a rhythm in your life. Rituals and habits and routines, a virtual lifestyle that is conducive to what you want to attain. Poor habits have to be replaced with better habits. Daily routines have to be orchestrated in a way that, that keep the fire of passion burning in your life. If you live the wrong lifestyle, you're going to have the wrong passions. Your lifestyle has to be lined up with the passions that you have chosen, the passions that you want to keep alive. Passions die because of neglect, taking important things for granted not really making your passions important. You just neglect them, and before you know it, the fire goes out. Busyness, distractions of life, uh, living at an unhealthy pace, too many commitments, too many places to be and too many things to do, and before you know it, your passion will die. Your passion goes out. You know, I monitor my passion level on a daily and weekly basis, and the busier I am, the less passion I feel. The more resentment I have toward things I'm responsible for and things I must do. Because passion is what keeps me excited. Passion is what makes me want to go for life. And business crowds out passion. Passion. Disappointments. Unfulfilled expectations kill passion. You can be passionate about the things of God, passionate about your career, passionate about your marriage and your family and other good things in life. Passionate about it. But if you have deep disappointments, deep unfulfilled expectations, after a while, your passion just tends to die. Deep wounds affect our passion. You know, sometimes you can be passionate about uh, your marriage, but a deep wound in that marriage can steal your passion. Passion about the house of God, the work of God, your walk with God, but deep wounds can steal that passion away. You got to be careful that you don't let wounds steal your passion. I don't know how to live life without getting wounded in some way, at some time, by someone. Wounds just happen. You have to resolve wounds. You've got to understand that it's Satan's effort to steal your passion. Satan's effort to steal God's place in your life. Be careful that you don't have unresolved wounds that have stolen your passion away. You know, uh, I want to keep the passion in my life, and there are some decisions that I've made. I've decided, first of all, what what is really important to me, and that's what I want to be passionate about. I can't be passionate about everything, but I want to be passionate about important things. I want my lifestyle to be built in such a way that it supports my passion. Not fights my passion, but supports my passion. I want to connect with other people who share my passion because other people excite me and enthuse me and encourage me. And I've got to be around people that that feel what I feel and want what I want and want to do what I want to do. And they stir me up and they make me passionate. So I have to be careful that I'm connected with the right people that stir the passion in my own heart. I want to make sure that I stay on course because there's lots of distractions and lots of things happen to get me out of whack, but I want to stay on course, stay the course, 
Stay in line, stay focused, and keep going forward because the devil will steal my attention, get me diverted, and before you know it, I'm on the wrong path. And all in all, what I'm saying is I guard my passion. I realize how important it is to me in my life and for me to live the kind of life I want to live, to do the kind of things I want to do, to finish strong in life. I have to guard my passion. Guard my passion. Whatever that takes, I want to guard my passion. Make sure they're the right passions, and I want to guard them so I can finish strong and be the person I want to be, live the life I want to live, and achieve the things in life that I believe are important for me to achieve. Can you say amen? amen? I'll close with this. One of my greatest passions in life is the presence of God. I've never experienced anything in life that even compared with, with God when He comes near. God comes to us in terms of distance, and the closer He comes, the stronger, the more real, the more powerful that He is. And my great moments in life is when God has come very near, when His presence has been tangible and His power has been visible. I greatly desire the presence of God. It's a passion. Every time I stand before you, it's only after that I have spent time with God, asking God to come near and to manifest His presence here among us. I tend to attract people that value His presence. People somehow sense this in Renee and, and I, and, and they tend to come near us because unconsciously you tend to connect with people that have a, a, a yearning, a passion that is inside of you. And um, so I, I have congregations, multiple congregations, and in each one of them there is this passion for God to come near. And every church service is not just about, you know, did the music go well did everything go in time and in order? Did we do our jobs well? Was it a good presentation? But how much of the presence of God was in the house? How much of His glory did we experience? And was there a demonstration of power? You know, I'm asking you to link up with that passion in me. And let's, let's share that passion. Let's encourage that passion in each other. Let's encourage that passion in our midst. When you come to the house of God, don't be a spectator. Be a participant. And always be eager to respond to the presence of God. It comes to us by degree. Now, God is everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent. But, but God manifests Himself. He comes near. And, and there are levels of, of glory levels of nearness that he gives to us and I want to encourage you to seek that expect that and be responsive to that when you feel that there is an increased activity in the spirit respond to that get a hold of that um, recognize it and and respond to that become a little more focused you know sometimes uh uh, my mind can be wandering and I can be dealing with things mentally and my mind can be kind of out there. But when I feel a breath of God, when I feel just a gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit, it snaps me back to attention. I'm like, okay, got to get focused now. I just felt something. It just felt like God was fixing to do something. And so when you sense and feel an activity in the Spirit, let it really gather, gather your mental focus and really tune your senses. And then the next thing is be responsive. Be responsive to the Spirit. Be responsive. One of the things that is a distinctive of a Spirit-filled church, 
um, is that we're very responsive, very responsive. We respond. And um, an excited church, a spirit-filled church, a powerful church is always a responsive church, a responsive church. You know, throughout the year I preach in different pulpits and different congregations and some are responsive and some are just kind of sitting there. And it's no fun for me, and I don't know how much fun they're having, but it just don't seem to be right. Uh, be responsive. Be responsive. And when you feel like the Lord might be moving or about to move or wanting to move, be responsive and just engage spiritually. The more of us engage, the more powerful God will be here in our midst. I'm asking God for a demonstration of power. Uh, sometimes the people of God need a demonstration. We just need a demonstration. We believe. If we never see, we still believe. If, if we never see a demonstration, we still believe. But the people of God need a demonstration of God's power and glory in their lives. You know, every once in a while, God just shows up and does something big for me, just something amazing for me, just something that shakes me, and it just gives me momentum and fuels the passion in my heart. And I believe we're due a real demonstration of God. How many of you want a demonstration of God? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You can close your Bibles now, and you can stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Father. Ask our prayer partners to come forward and come into the close of our service today, but not yet. The subject I've addressed is passion. The question I've asked is, does it seem like your level of passion has diminished in life? Your level of passion. The most important thing is our passion for the God and the things of God. Of course, that's the most important thing. But there are other important things. The passion in your, your marriage covenant. Passion for your family. Passion for the house of God, the work of God, a passion for what you do for God, a passion for your career. <coughs> it's hard to have a successful career without a passion for it. You know, if, if you have trouble putting your pants on to go do something, or if it takes you forever to put your makeup on, because you just lost your passion. Just, it just takes longer. It just takes longer. It's just harder to make yourself do it. Passion wakes you up in the morning. You can get dressed faster when you're passionate about something. So if you sense that that fire is going out, we want to pray with you. This altar is open because that's the optimum place for you to receive help from God. But whether you come or not, I, I want to believe God is going to touch you and help you. Just this week that you'll be thinking about your passion level. What are you passionate about? What are you not passionate about? Where do you have passion? Where do you lack passion? And are there fires of passion diminishing in your life? What are you doing to encourage passion, the right passions in life? 
love to pray with you and help you. God manifest his word through preaching. Whatever the word is for that day, there's a grace that goes with it. Whatever the word is, the context of the word, the subject of the word, that's what God wants to do that day. He first sends his word and then he demonstrates his word in our lives. So if you want help in this area of your life, I say, come get it. You don't have to tell us private and personal things because we don't have to know. It's just an act of your obedience, you taking that step forward, then us getting into agreement with you that really makes the change. So if you want more passion in some area of your life, you want that fire to burn brighter and you need God's grace to fuel that fire, then I want to invite you to come down here today. If you've never given your life to Christ, you've never really made a commitment to be a child of God and to follow Him, I want to encourage you to come down. Any of these people standing here will lead you to the Lord. Just say to them, I, I, want, to, I want to give my heart to the Lord. They'll give you some instructions, pray with you, and take you where you need to be. If you've been away from God and you want to come back to Christ, these people know how to love you back where you want to be. So I just want to encourage you to come forward. Let us pray with you. Somebody might need prayer for their marriage. We'd love to pray with you about that. Someone may need prayer about their career. We'd love to pray with you about that. Whatever it is, this altar is open. You can already see people are starting to come down. I'm going to ask my worship team to sing it one time, and then uh, you can come as they're singing. And afterwards, I will be dismissed. Fresh outpouring, tear the fabric open. Come, Jesus, come. have this sense that this word has been like a canopy and no one has been left out I want to pray with you now Father hear our hearts we cry out to you we want more more of you and more passion for you I pray Heavenly Father for every person under the sound of my voice both present and online I'm asking you, Lord, to touch them, kindle the fire in their hearts, fan the flames, cause them to burn more brightly than ever before. Give us a true revival. Let the fire that used to burn, burn again. 
first of all, our passion for you and the things of God. Also in our marriages, also in our career, also in our personal pursuits. I pray, God, that you would bless your people with a real passion for the things of God and the things in their life. I speak a blessing on the people that have been hurt and wounded with disappointment, unfulfilled expectation. Bring healing to them and let the fire rage in their hearts again. I pray a blessing on all the people of God. May your blessing be upon every area of their life. I pray this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget your life team. Don't forget we'll have Tommy Tenney here next Sunday morning. Have a good week in the Lord. If you need prayer ministry, come forward right now. Show